I'm sure we've all had that experience. Hopefully not many of us are, are the on, on the giving side, but being on the receiving side of compliment after compliment after compliment, and they're laying on, on so thick that you begin to ask, okay, what is it you desire? I remember one particular co-worker when I, in high school, uh, she laid it on so thick that it was just, you never call me first of all, except if you want me to work for you. And so what is it? And, and it involved uh, swapping a whole weekend, uh, which I tended not to like to do, uh, because it, I ended up working all three weekends, including the weekend that I had swapped out. Uh, anyway, but that, that was another story. So as I hear this gospel proclaimed and, and read it myself, I can't help but think Jesus, who knew human nature so much better than, than most of us do, uh, because he's created us, saying, okay, get to the point. Your, your malice is, is just barely, barely concealed. And he could see through it. They lay it on pretty thick. You, you teach according to God's, uh, according to truth. You, you're not concerned with anyone's opinion. Tell us. And we should know that this is a would-be trap by the fact of who's going. It's the Pharisees and the Rodians. Just a little background. Of course, the Pharisees, we know, they, if you want to imagine them, were like the pastors in the, in the synagogue. They the, were the, the ones who had studied and been prepared and read, read the scriptures and gave the, gave the homilies and, and made sure, visited the sick and all those things. They were very concerned about the people. And the Herodians, on the other hand, were supporters of King Herod. This, by this time, is Herod the Tetrarch, not Herod the Great, that we hear about in, in the beginning of St. Luke's Gospel. Herod the Great uh, was a Nabataean. He was not Jewish. He was appointed by Rome as king, or, uh, which is kind of an odd kind of thing when you think about it. He had no claim on the Jewish throne. None. None. And, uh, of course, being uh, uh, Herod, he supported Rome. And his son, Herod the Tetrarch, Herod, one of the four that were uh, given a portion of Herod the Great's kingdom, had inherited that Galilee and, and uh, uh, was supportive of Rome, too, and supportive of all that Rome did. And Rome itself, though not as bad as uh, the Greeks and, and the Babylonians, uh, but demanded a certain amount of worship of their gods. And we'll get to one in particular in a little bit, but uh, this worship and paying of taxes. And they ask the question, is it lawful to pay the tax or not? See, if Jesus answers yes, the Pharisees have him because of this worship of Rome and all those things. If he answers no, the Rhodians have him. There's no easy out, it would seem, until Jesus asks for a coin. And there is debate about what actual coin it was, although uh, St. Matthew gives us enough detail that uh, it must have been the a particular, um, what's called the tribute penny. On that penny is the face of Tiberius Caesar, who was Caesar at the time. And there's an inscription on that coin an inscription that at first glance might seem just rather innocuous. After all, we have inscriptions on our coins, uh, but 
the, the inscription and the image are troublesome. And some would say that the image was troublesome because it's a graven image. That wasn't what was troublesome. It was more the inscription. And the inscription said and translated, Tiberius Caesar, son of the divine Augustus Caesar. Divine Augustus. And not, not, they're not talking divine as so many people would, uh, as they're eating a cake, oh, this is divine, or, or, or you know, so often in certain uh, campy uh, kind of people, they'll use the word divine time and again, of, of this is just really, really good, heavenly. No, they mean divine as in a deity, a god. That Augustus is God. And Tiberius Caesar is son of God. And if that's the, the inscription is true, which the Romans thought it was, then he deserves worship. Not only taxes, but worship. Not only worship of the other pagan Roman gods, but worship of this man who claims to be God, who they claimed to to be God. If Jesus answers yes, he's given into a terrible, terrible thing. And if he answers no, He's rejecting the good things that Rome has done. And yes, there were some good things that Rome had done. We, we have to keep a balanced look. Because of Rome, during the time of Jesus, there was a Pax Romani, uh, widened uh, road systems and uh, safety uh, communications were among the best. In fact, uh, some have said that Jesus came precisely when he did because God had prepared it that way, that God had Uh, used Rome to build up the communication system so so that when the apostles were ready to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ, they could go to every corner of the known world easily and traveling rather well. And of course, we know though there was persecution and the persecution of the apostles and persecution of later on because of the rejection that Christians had for the Roman belief system. The, The rejection that they had for the pagan customs of the time. But Jesus answers, give to Caesar what is Caesar, give to God what is God's. In doing so, he gives a brilliant answer that yes, Caesar deserves his money back. He deserves that that taxes because it, it does that, but he does not deserve the worship. He does not, do not give to him what is not his to receive. It's a brilliant answer, isn't it? And despite that answer, we still struggle as a society with, that, uh, with, the, with the problem that we have. I, I've seen it time and again, and, and you know, I can't even name the times, all the times that we, we might see this violation, but time and again, we see it. We have some Christians that say it's not, uh, we should not give, submit to any authority, and that's not scriptural. St. Paul tells us uh, elsewhere, to pray for those who lead us, as Jesus himself seems to, seems to approve of uh, certain leadership, but we don't give them what is not their due. We certainly don't worship, and we don't, at the same time, let them set and tell us what's important, what is true, what is moral. I, I think with great sadness of what happened about three years ago, as we listen to our government tell us what was essential and what was not. And we're seeing the aftermath playing out yet. 
We were told that Mass was not essential, that it was dangerous to go to Mass. In some places, that even the reception of the Blessed Sacrament, even by the priest, which I find most scandalous, uh, they tried to do in Maryland, which was founded as a Catholic colony, was to be forbidden. We let the government tell us that. The reception of the Eucharist was dangerous. Participating in the Mass was dangerous. And uh, I got in a little trouble, and I, I, was, I, I used the word snark because I got a little snarky towards it. But when we saw in our own state the world's largest candy store open to full capacity because they sold apples, forget the fact that they were all candy-covered, that's irrelevant, but churches were limited to 10 people. I knew we had overstepped. We get in trouble every time we give the government more than they ought to. Every time. We let the government tell us what was essential. And in the process, we forgot that we are called as Catholics, as Christians, to gather to receive our Lord in the Eucharist, or at least if we're not able to receive because we're not prepared or in a state of sin or whatever reason it is, we're not old enough or whatever, at least to be in his presence, to see Jesus Christ. And so we have people that have not been to church in the last three years because they were told it's not essential. And once you miss once, it's a little easier to miss the next week, the next week a little bit easier, and the next week, and before you know it, it's been months, years. We need to find a way to invite our brothers and sisters who found it so easy to stay away or so easy to fall into that fear of being exposed to this, not minimizing the, the destruction that COVID caused us, but to know that it's relatively safe and it's absolutely essential that we gather and worship. But we see it in other ways too, don't we? I see it when, when I look at the promotion of abortion. We let the government or state tell us what is moral, that it's, it's, it's allowable to kill children in the womb. We see it in the redefinition of marriage, so-called redefinition. You can't redefine something that God has defined, but they've tried it, that it ultimately doesn't matter. But we have to remember that marriage is, of course, not only the union of the spouses, but for the good of procreation of children, the raising of children. We see it in the redefinition of what it means to be man or woman. We see it time and again and again and again and again. When we give to government more than this government's share, it minimizes who God is. It minimizes our ability to relate to God as a society. So I, as I see the more and more people turn and treat government like a god, it's not amazing that we see also the rise of the occult, the rise of paganism, neo-paganism, the rise of atheism, agnosticism, because we've given to humans what is not to be received by humans. We need to allow God to be God. Of course, we know who God is. God is our creator and redeemer. He's the one that calls us and holds us in, in existence. He's the one that proclaims truth to us. 
And so when we give to God what is God's, we give him worship. We give him honor. We give him glory. We give him everything. When we give to God what is God's, we receive from him a firmness in what is true, what is good, what is holy. And we begin to live what is good, true, and holy. See, there's a wonderful thing when we put God, give God what is his, and give the state what is proper to the state. And we've seen it time and again throughout our history as, as Catholics, actually throughout our history as faithful. Our Jewish brothers and sisters saw it, and we have that mentioned in today's first reading. They understood when Cyrus, Cyrus, those that are familiar with world history know he's not Jewish, he's Persian. When Cyrus freed them from, the, from Babylon, that he was appointed, anointed by God. When we give to God what is God's and give to the state what is the state's, we become true, loyal, good citizens. But we hold the state accountable because we know that God himself holds us accountable and holds the state accountable. When we give to God what is God's and give to Caesar what is Caesar's, we put everything into proper relationship. We live lives of peace, seeking together truth, and knowing that truth ultimately comes from God alone. We come this day asking our Lord to help us to give him what is his due, what is proper to him, and to give proper assent to our state, our, our government, to give what is only their due, and not anything more.